welcome to the NS North podcast. My name is Dan Byers, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Phil Kaisgray. How are you, Phil? I'm great, and you, Dan? I'm good. We are very happy to have you listening in on our eighth podcast in our series that introduces attendees to the great speakers presenting at NS North 2013. NS North is Ottawa's first independent iOS and Mac Developers and Designers Conference. It will take place at the Ottawa Convention Centre on April 19th to the 21st. In this podcast, we are very pleased to have with us speaker Carolyn Sauvey, and she joins us now. How are you, Carolyn? I'm doing very well. Thanks, Dan. How are you? I'm good. Now, um, could you tell us a bit about uh, where you're from and uh, what you do? All right. Uh, well, I am a software developer. I work at uh, Corel Corporation, and uh, I work on a product called Corel Painter. It is a cross-platform, so both developed on both Mac and Windows, um, application that is really aimed at visual artists who want to uh, translate into the digital realm what it is that they do on Canvas. Wow, and how, how long have you been working on that team? Uh, I've been part of the painter development team now for over six years. Uh, before that, I was part of Corel, and well, I'm still part of Corel, goodness gracious. But uh, before that, I was working in software localization. So I got my first dabble in UI uh, over ten years ago. Yeah, one one thing about Painter is uh, I've heard it described as Painter is for people who prefer the blank page, whereas Photoshop is for people who want to start with an image. So if you're good with a blank page and a and a stylus, you, you you like painter. Yeah, though arguably, Phil, you would say that uh, even with uh, with starting with an image, there's a, a lot of possibilities in in yes, painter as well. That is true, and also oh, it's goodness. now true with Photoshop as well. I'm just trying to draw differences rather than similarities. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I should disclose that I've worked on painter for eight years, so. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our listeners might not be uh, aware of that, so I, I know Caroline professionally as well. For sure. So what else has been going on in the painter world uh, since uh, since you took the the job? Uh, well, uh, well, we've put out several versions of Painter, and there have been uh, many derivative versions of, as well that have come out, sort of slimmer versions. We currently have on the Mac App Store right now uh, a Painter Lite which is uh, significantly reduced from a feature point of view, but a great introduction to uh, some of the wonderful brushes and technologies uh, that you can get in Painter. Uh, also, uh, recently, as in like in the past year, I've had my, the opportunity to work on my very first iOS application. Uh, given that Painter is in, going into its 13th version, you can imagine that there's an awful lot of legacy code there and a lot of legacy technology. Uh, so we're still, for instance, working in Xcode 3. I think I'm allowed to say that. I think I'm allowed to say that. We're still working in Xcode 3 and 10.6. Um, and uh, so, you know, you go to WWDC and you have all these great new technologies and you kind of sit there kind of green with jealousy knowing that you can't actually use any of it. So the opportunity to work on an iOS application and to actually work in Xcode 4 and in the modern APIs, and it was just absolutely thrilling to, for me. So I uh, had a lot of fun in both the development and the design side of that application. But you can, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that application? Because it sounds like oh. a... Fascinating. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it basically it started off as a simple concept, and that was that we realized uh, that we could execute commands or send commands to Painter using um, any iOS device uh, via Wi-Fi. Uh, so uh, 
it sounds like an elaborate remote control. It is a kind of a remote control, but the idea was that uh, you could sit with your Wacom tablet and uh, your iPad, and you could easily execute commands from your iPad while painting with your tablet. That was the intention. Uh, we saw it as a kind of an enhancement to your keyboard or your mouse in the sense that uh, with a keyboard and mouse, you're sort of limited in, in the interactions. Painter has this uh, platform that allows you to execute any command, so any content selection. So if you wanted to select a brush or a different paper, this was really easy for you to do uh, in a very novel kind of interaction um, kind of way. Right. Jeez, did I, did I clarify anything there? Yeah, it's, it's true because sense. <laughs> if you have a keyboard and it's your companion device, well, there's only 26 letters, say, on the keyboard. So sure. that's 26 things you can do by pressing one button, and Photoshop uses that as well. Or, mm -hmm. you know, you press the space bar to move around and things like that. But mm -hmm. a keyboard, a physical keyboard, as the iPhone proved, is is limited by the fact that it's got physical keys in it and you can't easily repurpose them. Uh, or, you know, make them do new things. Whereas if you have a virtual canvas or virtual uh, command center or like a, mm -hmm. an LCARS interface from Star Trek, whatever, but, well, then you have this iPad that's completely configurable that can do a lot of things for you that is touch-enabled and is just uh, conveniently located under your, uh, you know, non-dominant hand, I guess. Because yeah, your dominant hand would be holding your stylus on your tablet. Exactly. So this yeah. doesn't yet eliminate the need for a tablet then like you, you still want to have your ipad and sorry your your ipad and your wacom absolutely i don't think we've yet to eliminate uh the technology that wacom enables for us so uh wacom tablet allows us to have uh pressure tilt uh all sorts of data that that really other stylus or other technology just have yet to replicate i believe uh so you know and our users basically don't use painter without a tablet so it, we see it as an extension of the artist's uh it, you know interaction with painter and so what we wanted is to facilitate the rest of that stuff so you know switching your brushes or we wanted or selecting different papers or selecting colors or we wanted to really facilitate that in a visual and interactive and i think kind of fun way so yeah so I can't wait to show you guys uh, Cinco in action so you get a sense of what that interaction was like uh, at the conference. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. It sounds very original, like in terms of uh, the use case for it. It's uh, that's very cool. So like, um, what's the general consensus then amongst designers? Like, are, are they are they dying for for this kind of interaction, this this kind of experience in terms of you know working with the the Wacom and pulling out their iPad and using that to help you know, um, accomplish their creative designs? Like a well, I, I guess what I would say is uh, if you're dealing with professional artists, professional artists spend very little time sort of uh, want to spend as little time as possible learning the application or learning a new interaction. Uh, they have deadlines to meet. Uh, they have work that needs to get done. And so they kind of set themselves up in a certain way uh, where they don't really want to deviate a whole lot from what they're usual workflow would be. So I think what we have is, a, uh, to a certain degree, some resistance from moving away from that keyboard and mouse. Uh, it's an interaction that's been very familiar for a lot of people. But from an experimental point of view, and I think from a brand awareness, uh, marketing point of view, um, there's been some success with uh, with Cinco, a lot of sort of interest and uh, uh, quite a few downloads for, for the application. Awesome. Probably your mm -hmm. new users are more, much more interested into it as well because 
you know, mm-hmm. it just it's just a, a new way to make Painter work. And, you know, hey, this application has so many more things than I thought it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so something new to try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how, how big is your is the development team on that particular tablet app? Oh, gosh. Uh, myself. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And there okay. was one other developer uh, uh, that worked with me uh, once we were well into the development cycle. We needed to speed things up to a certain degree in order to get through the project quicker. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, it was a one-person, one-and-a-half-person type of operation. For the development, there was design, or did you do the design yourself yeah, as well? The whole. Well, no, we we hired. Uh, so we hired designers to come in to help us out. Uh, once we had an initial concept, see, you guys are getting into my presentation here. This is part of my outline. <laughs> so, uh, but essentially, when you sort of evolve through the process, we we got it to a point where we needed somebody to help us with UI and and to really iron out the interaction, and that's when we brought in designers. But for a good long while, it lived without design, if you will. Just, just yeah. the, there's the idea in your head. Oh uh, no, it was in code and it was usable and uh, it was uh, sort of proof of concept. It had a life of its own, and uh, we wanted to explore the technology. Like that was one of the goals that we had as a team, as we wanted to explore the technology. So we we got it up off its feet, and uh, once we got to the point where we were like, okay, you know. We need somebody to really look at this and uh, not not to say make it pretty because it's certainly not the goal of user experience per se, but somebody to really take a different look on it and uh, and uh, fix it up for us. And may not be the goal, but it's it a convenient right. shorthand of for, for saying what's happening essentially. So. Yeah, to a certain extent, I think you know. I agree. Any, yeah. Anytime you do anything new, really, really new, kind of groundbreaking, you have to get the technology in hand enough and understand it enough so that it so that design becomes possible from one to a certain degree so designers will come in and give in all sorts of ideas and suggestions and uh, and then you explore those things further but at least you've mitigated the core technology aspect the core concept of what you're going to do every everything that you're describing sounds very much like some uh, what a lot of you know, little and indie shops do because you can't do everything yourself. You're asking other people that are smart in their in their fields to uh, to come and help you, whether they hire, whether they're part of your little little team. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's fantastic that you're able to do this as well uh, within uh, somewhat larger corporations. So just to say that, but that actually mm-hmm. segues into uh, what we wanted to talk about a little bit about your involvement with the community because um, you've you've made quite a if you I follow you on Twitter and I see all the things that are about uh, uh, agile and UX and all of these uh, these smaller uh, events that are happening around the around town and around the country so can you talk a little bit more about that as well uh, for sure so I'd say in about the last couple of years or so I've been uh, very very much interested in agile methodologies it was something that on the painter team as you all know Phil uh, that we took to heart and we explored different uh, approaches to agile and uh, it got to the point for me where I felt it needed to grow out of development and I wasn't sure how that would be possible And so what I discovered is that there's really thriving communities um, in uh, a lot of the major cities. Well, I can speak about Ottawa, but certainly Toronto and Montreal uh, in both Agile and UX. Um, I think the two are very tied very closely together. Uh, I think that Agile is uh, a means by which um, user experience, user engagement is enabled. 
I think the manifesto, the Agile manifesto, really does uh, attempt to address the needs of users. They call them customers, but I mean, at the end of the day, uh, consumers, I guess, of your application and your hard work. And uh, so I reached out to those communities and found such a thriving group of people and uh, uh, very giving, uh, very sharing, very willing to, you know, take some time and uh, share their experiences with you. And uh, I found that that for me uh, provided at this point for me in my career a really uh, wonderful opportunity for networking and a great opportunity for personal growth and professional growth as well. So uh, I feel sad that I didn't discover it sooner, to be quite honest with you. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm here now and uh, I, I still feel like I'm working my way up uh, that uh, to my level of involvement and I'm hoping to be uh, to, to, to go into more of a contributor role than uh, than just a person who sort of sucks from the community if you will sucks from the teat of the community there you go <laughs> we managed to get a podcast with the word teat in it you're welcome <laughs> only the girl could do that you realize that right absolutely no guy i haven't said this. anything <laughs> no no guy could say this it would take the girl to do that uh, so all, all the guys that are listening to the podcast podcast are you're, blushing you're welcome how's the weather out there today uh, yeah <laughs> Um. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, I'm going to say this. I have three daughters, and they have their computers, and they all have Wacom tablets because that's how they draw. They just use those tablets all the time. So, you know, they, they you were talking about the, how people use all these, these applications and how designers and it, it. So, yeah, just bringing it back to, uh, to my own level and my own involvement in this. Uh, but um, that also brings me to um, talk about what kind of interest you might have outside of the UI, UX. And I should say that UX is the user experience shorthand, so that's what we've been using. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, outside of that and design and, and you know, uh, looking at a screen all day, the, what are the other things that are uh, um, interesting you at the moment? Oh, geez. Um, I'm trying to think of what have I got on the go right now. So I've got quite a few books on the go. I have a, a background, quite the educational background, so I have a degree in English literature, and so I'm an avid reader. Uh, although, oddly enough, when I finished my degree, I didn't want to read anything but a cereal box. It feels like I found a new thirst for knowledge and, uh, and different pr- points of view. So I've always got a few books on the go. Uh, I'm reading uh, The Goal right now uh, by Goldratt, and I am reading, let's see what else, I picked up an XP book by Kent Beck that I'm sort of thumbing my way through as well. And uh, just to throw it out there, I'm also reading the third Game of Thrones book, and I'm really looking forward to the return of that series uh, in March. Yay! <laughs> Springtime is coming, and winter is coming, and it's all wonderful. <laughs> and uh, yeah, if I'm not reading or chasing my toddler around, she's three and a half now, I am uh, oh, wow. probably trying to get a good stretch on a yoga mat. So that's... <laughs> That's the grand sum total of my life. So you're 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 not busy at all. <laughs> um, I would say I, I make as much personal time as I can in all that, and I think uh, the reading and spending time with Isabel is a is a true gift, and uh, yeah. the yoga is is probably more of an afterthought than it should be. That's awesome. Well, hopefully during the the NS North weekend, we won't be able to keep you a away for too long. Oh, geez. Well, but this, may, I may get the audience to do a few stretches. <laughs> uh, for me, 
<laughs> or, or, awesome. or you can actually bring your daughter and she can be our youngest attendee you never know <laughs> she would run amok are you kidding me <laughs> awesome. toddler in the house yeah. we should give um, ideas to our attendees as well oh my god <laughs> there's a daycare with this <laughs> now you're talking idea for next year plan a daycare <laughs> so carolyn your your talk was announced a few weeks ago and you gave it the title developer's guide to extraordinary user experience would you like to talk a bit about that uh sure i can give a quick overview of what uh what i currently have planned so i'm looking uh we'll start off by um, looking at what user experience is all about and we'll cuddle in a little bit with some definitions around that and then we'll quickly move away from that and start talking about some of the emerging trends in user experience um, and once we've covered a few of those, uh, what I'd like to do is actually sort of do a walkthrough and use a case study, um, as a case study rather, uh, use Synco. Uh, so we'll look at the evolution of the user experience and the design as the uh, product was being developed. And, uh, and sort of basically what I'm hoping is that it'll come across as kind of lessons learned and uh, maybe others can sort of learn from experience, that experience as well. So, yeah. Should be fairly exciting because you. This is a brand new, if you wish, approach to a user experience for this kind of uh, like having an adjunct view that you can actually uh, manipulate the main view with uh, on a separate device. That's that's got its own set of challenges as well. Absolutely, we 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 prototype not just the technology as I, met, I referred to earlier, not just the technology, but even the UI uh, was sort of developed as a separate application until we felt that that interaction was refined enough to actually bring it into the application. So there are a lot of little bits that uh, took place that I think are sort of interesting to explore as a group. One thing that came to mind for me was um, since the uh, like a keyboard tactile, you can you can essentially touch type and not look at your keyboard, but the iPad, you kind of have to look at it. So, were there issues with, uh, you know, control locations and and things like that that you had to work around? Oh, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! <laughs> I'm just too smart for my own good. I you guess. are. You are. <laughs> okay, we're 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 gonna wrap this up before before we get any spoilers. Yeah, we, okay, we don't want to ruin good. we don't want to ruin it. <laughs> keep something for keep something for the conference, guys. You, you'll have to attend NS North if you want to find out. If more. you wanted the details, absolutely. Exactly. All right. So that should wrap this episode of the NS North podcast. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Carolyn. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. We we really hope that or we hope that our listeners uh, enjoyed this episode and the tickets are still available, but remember that attendance is limited. If you would like to know more about the conference, you can visit our website at nsnorth.ca for all the details. Now, Carolyn, if people wanted to get in touch with you, I, I guess you're on Twitter? That's right. That would be the uh, most direct way to get in touch with me. Excellent. And and then what, what what's that Twitter handle? Oh, it's at carosauve, so C-A-R-O underscore S-A-U-V-E. And that information is on a speaker's page as well. So be sure to join us again on the next NS North podcast. Only two more to go. And we hope to see everybody in Ottawa in April. Thanks, Philippe. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Carolyn. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody.